0: Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for February sixth, two 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm Pete Werner and we have a number of emails and voicemails to read. But before we get started, just want to remind everyone that if you want to send us an email, you send it to podcast at www.info.com. You can also give us a call at one 310 9662 That's a toll-free number. And if we read your email or play your voicemail on the show, you'll get your Diz Unplugged T-shirt or a Diz Unplugged pin and lanyard if you prefer. And at the end of the month, we take uh, all the people whose emails and voicemails that we read, and we select one name at random. And we have 30 envelopes here in the studio, each one with a different prize in it. We ask uh, the one random, randomly selected winner to give us a number, and whatever's in that envelope is what they win. And we just gave away a $100 uh, spa gift certificate on the last show. And uh, we'll give you something, too, if you're lucky enough to win. So mm-hmm. make sure you send in your emails or call in your voicemails. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get started. Our first voicemail today is from Yvette in the Netherlands, who has some info on our discussion a few weeks ago about bed bugs, and some question about our upcoming podcast cruise. So here's Yvette.
1: Hi, this is Yvette from the Netherlands. I'm living in Delft. It's a big city in the Netherlands. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm calling in because I've got some comments and some questions about the show. First comments. On the January 15th show, there was a new segment about bed bugs. One of the reasons of an increase of bedbugs were the international visitors. I can understand that it sounds really ridiculous, but unfortunately, it's partly true. As told on the podcast, bed bugs are a cyclical thing. And since spring 2007, Europe has an increase of bedbugs in hotels. Also a really heavy increase of bedbugs are in New York the past couple of years. They can survive for a very long time and they are transported from Europe or from the New York area into the Orlando area in our suitcases. So in a way, the international visitors have something to do with it. But we're not dirty. Then I've got some information about Aquatica. They're probably going to open march the first because from that day on, you can buy the tickets online and rent cabanas online. A single day ticket is thirty eight ninety five for adults and kids are thirty two ninety five A SeaWorld and aquatica combo is eighty nine ninety five and the kids are seventy nine ninety five but then you can better purchase online. Because there you've got a SeaWorld and Aquatica. Be a kid again. A fast purchase, purchase, and then it's 79.95 for adults also. SeaWorld, Orlando, Busch Gardens, Tampa, and Aquatica combo is 134.95, and kids are 125.24.95. Sorry, and there is also of uh, Advanced Purchase Ticket, Be a Kid Again, and then the price for adults is also 124 95 A cabana is 150 a day. One cabana price is for four people. Each additional guest, up to seven guests maximum, is an additional $30 a person. This price includes one locker for the whole day, a ceiling fan, sunscreen, soda, water and juices, In total of 16 beverages maximum. That was my comments about the show. And then I've got also two questions. The first one is about the podcast cruise. I want to know what the best way is for booking the cruise. We're going on a cruise in May 2008. And uh, we are also in the Orlando area in May 2009. What's the best way to book? Can I better book it right now and then through Dreams Unlimited having the discounted price or the cheapest price? Or can I better book it through the onboard uh, onboard booking the cruise in May 2008? So I've got then the reservations through Disney Cruise Line and transfer my reservation through Dreams Unlimited. What do you think is the best way to do it? And then I've got another question about toll passes. You talked about prepaid toll passes in a podcast in December, and I was wondering how does it work. Is it also something an international visitor can use and arrange? How do I have to do that? We're going three times in a year, so maybe it's cheaper for us to do it prepaid. Okay, that covers it all for now. Thanks, and keep
0: up the great work. Well, Yvette, first of all, let me say thank you for uh, the expense of calling in. I know that uh, it's not a toll-free call uh, from uh, for international our international listeners, but that is something I'm, I'm actually working on trying to change. I'm trying to see how I can go about getting a toll-free international line so we can hear more from our folks around the world. That would be cool. And uh, I think John has some suggestions for you regarding the podcast cruise and the best way to the best way to book.
2: I do, um, Yvette. You're absolutely right. We, we talked about this uh, I think a week ago or two weeks ago. The best price you're going to get on a Disney cruise is actually if you rebook on board. Disney Cruise Line is currently offering what they call a bounce back promotion, percentage off the current price plus a shipboard credit based on what type of cruise you book what your stateroom is and all that good stuff however this is not um this is not a promotion that disney guarantees will continue to run my advice to you is book with us now get your deposit in secure your room secure that pricing and then if it is offered on your cruise hold that stateroom and then come back to us, talk to Tracy and Tracy will work out with you the best option for you. Um, If you do book on the cruise and you get a a better price and you do get a shipboard credit, you can then transfer that to dreams unlimited travel and you'll get our shipboard credit on top of that as well. So that's sort of a win-win situation for you. However, I don't really suggest people wait to do that. We're running out of our, our predetermined group space. I don't want to see anybody be left out and have the price go up. So if you can book now and you can afford to put the deposit down, please do that. In a follow-up to that, I also want to talk about real quick, Pete. We have a bunch of people who are concerned that they can't come up with a deposit for this cruise, and they don't want to lose out on this pricing. Our advice to you is to book one person. If you book book one person in a stateroom, you'll only have to pay the deposit for that one person, and you've locked in the group rate. So then, later on, when you want to add people, you can still get that really good rate. So that sort of helps you with the amount of money that you're going to put out of your pocket.
0: And I just want to, uh, I just want to say to folks that uh, the uh, the pace at which these staterooms are booking for the podcast cruise is far exceeding my expectations. We already have over a hundred people, wow. um, confirmed for mm-hmm. for the podcast cruise, and it's only been three weeks since we announced it. And they're coming in the, the requests are coming in at a really at a really nice pace, so we're we're certainly in no danger. I'm not saying we're in danger of like selling out the cruise or anything like that, but uh, John was talking about pricing the tier pricing for those who don't really understand what that is, uh, the earlier you book, the less you pay. Um, Disney starts out you know with a tier zero pricing, and then as the ship starts to fill, it goes to a tier one and then to a tier two, and so on, and with each tier there's a price increase. So you absolutely want to lock this in as soon as possible.
3: There's a thread on the Diz Unplugged board about, and I think it's entitled um, "Waiting to Book," and I posted this information about tier pricing on there. So if you want to go look for that post, it explains it a little more.
0: Now, as for, uh, Yvette, as far as prepaid toll passes are concerned, um, I know that you can purchase uh, in Publix the uh, the Sun Pass. It's a transponder. transponder. But you do need to, when you activate it, you do need to enter in your driver's license information. Whether or not that will work with an international driver's license, I'm not sure. Uh, you do have to provide a... Uh, I'm almost 1,000% sure you have to put a or driver's license We even license have to in.
4: provide our license plate number.
0: Yeah, the license plate number of your car. Um, However, there
3: is a phone number you can call in if you switch vehicles. So it's something that you could call and do... And uh, provide them, like for instance, if you're going to have a rental car, yeah, you Thinking can then that. call back on your next trip, call the, the Easy Pass, and change the license plate of your car.
0: You know what? You know what, Yvette, Let me tell you what we'll uh, let I'll us look do. We're going to do some more research, and we're going to email you back directly. We'll also mention it when we find out uh, on the next show. But uh, I don't want to give you I don't want to give you inaccurate information here. You can purchase these uh, transponders at any Publix here in the Central Florida area, a credit card is used to put a certain amount of money on it and then you simply use those going back and forth. You don't save any money doing this. It is simply a convenience
3: and it's a time saver. And it's okay. a big
0: time saver especially to, you know if you're taking some of those roads coming out of the airport heading down into Disney property, the toll plazas can get ugly.
4: Can I just say toll pass left lane, non-toll pass right lane? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Julie's been behind somebody who wanted to back up. <laughs> yeah, they tried to back to Do <laughs> not? Back so, up.
0: A little crazy. So, Well, Yvette, we really do appreciate your calling in, and we look forward to seeing you on, uh, on the podcast cruise. And uh, I have an email here. Actually, I actually have a couple of emails this week of people who are yelling at me for things I've said over the last few weeks. So let's get started with uh, this first one. <laughs> Ron, Ron Adams, a.k.a. Grumpy Fan, writes, You guys sound very paranoid and crotchety. Uh, he's talking about uh, the uh, my, my little rant on the fingerprint readers at the theme park turnstiles. I'm not crazy about the technology they've chosen either, but come on, what's the big deal? Unless you're a serial killer or a bank robber or some other maniacal sort of character who's running from the law, what's the problem? It's not like Big Brother doesn't already have way more information on you anyway. Even if they aren't collecting your fingerprint, which they're not, what could Disney possibly do with it? Send Mickey or Donald... Uh, to your house to harass you for not coming more often. I really can't see where there is any malicious intent here to do anything harmful or invading, uh, or invading of your privacy. And I'm much more comfortable with Disney doing this than what the TSA requires for you to fly in our country now. Well, this kind of touches, as I've mentioned before, this kind of touches on a, on a hot-button issue for me. Um, the screaming lefty liberal in me um, really just has big issues when it comes to civil rights. And I know that trying to draw the line in some people's minds, trying to draw a line between something as seemingly innocuous as a fingerprint reader at a theme park and a civil rights uh, issue, or not a civil rights, a a, a constitutional right issue, um, may uh, may be a bit of a stretch. I don't think it is. It's not simply that they take your fingerprint. There was a time where fingerprints were the sole purview of law enforcement. Your fingerprint was taken from you only as a, as a way to identify you as part of a criminal record. Now, it is being used for other things. Why do I have a problem with this? Well, what could, you ask? what could Disney possibly do? Well, the technology, the software that runs these fingerprint readers was developed by a company who almost all of their business comes from the U.S. government primarily the Department of Defense and the Central Intelligence Agency. Disney has millions and millions and millions of people passing through their turnstiles every year. These are the same people, the same people in the U.S. government, that feel it's okay, without any kind of warrant, against the law, to listen in on our phone calls, on domestic phone calls by U.S. citizens. These are the same people who feel it is perfectly appropriate to read our emails, watch our internet transmissions. At some point, as I said previously, at some point you gotta draw a line. Why does Disney need my fingerprint? The question is, you ask the question, unless you're a serial killer or a bank robber. I don't think that should be a, a, a particular I don't think that should be the bar in protecting our civil rights. The by admission of the company that made the software, one command. One simple change to the software captures the entire fingerprint. You're going to tell me that it is outside the realm of possibility that a major U.S. corporation would work in, con- in collusion with the United States government to collect information that they are not legally allowed to obtain. Go ahead and tell me that that doesn't go on. Because if it doesn't go on, how come Congress is considering right now a bill that will grant immunity to the telephone companies who violated the law, in my opinion, by providing the US government with the information, with telephone records and eavesdropping and the other things that went on? It does go on. And unless somebody, as, as for me personally, everybody's entitled to do what they want. I don't think any company, any company that I do business with, should need my fingerprint unless I'm going for a, 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 a job with top secret security clearance. So I I put the question back to you. Why does Disney need my fingerprint in the first place? As I said, this is a passionate issue for me. I mean no disrespect. I appreciate and respect your position. And this is all to
3: protect a $300 ticket. This is (sighs) not about security. This is not about keeping bad people out of the park. This is so that somebody can't reuse a $300 ticket. All we're really protecting is Disney's bank book.
0: And at the time, at, 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 at such point, that major corporations in the US show that they are good stewards of the constitution and that they take protecting constitutional rights seriously then I'm sorry I have to I'm going to assume that the company's doing something with the information it shouldn't or at least if the or the potential is there for abuse so that's why when I walk into a, a Disney theme park I whip out my driver's license and I show them that I will not put my finger in that reader and if anybody – anybody who has any sense of the things that are going on in this country right now regarding privacy issues, if you have a sense of that and you still put your finger in that thing, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. So <sighs> who's next? Me. Julie. <laughs> Someone, Some, uh, something brighter.
4: <laughs> Ronald Rowe from McAllen, Texas wrote in uh, regarding the sleeping pig that I found in China. He writes, Mrs. Martin – there are a few Chinese similes dealing with pigs, and one of them is sleep like a pig. Some Chinese thought pigs were lucky since they ate all the time.
0: Chinese thought pigs? Day.
2: No, Chinese, comma, thought pigs were lucky.
0: Yeah. Oh. They were called Chinese thought pigs. <laughs> it's very big brother. Here comes the thought pigs. <laughs> um, George
3: Orwell wrote that, didn't he? <laughs>
4: So some Chinese thought that the pigs were lucky Since they ate all the time and slept all day I've also been told that the pig Sleeping on a pillow signifies prosperity And good fortune Just wanted to pass this along Great job on the tours They make me want to take a closer look At the stores in Epcot I was excited because he's a male fan Of the store tours And I just kind of figured that most of the men Kind of like started to doze off How sexist (laughs) No I'm just saying You know we had one guy right in He's like why don't we have some kind of segment for men You know so I just thought that was pretty neat, and those are really cute, but I just don't know if I could have one in my house.
0: <laughs> the thought pigs.
5: <laughs> Did you see the pig on the pillow that, that he's Did talking about? Did you see about?
4: the photo? Yeah. It's a really yeah, it adorable is cute. little pig. It is cute.
2: <laughs> the thought pigs are the ones who are taking your fingerprint
0: yeah. when you come
4: the game. <laughs> So thank you for that information.
0: Thank you, Julie. Who else? I have one. Go ahead, Kevin.
3: I have one. I hope she's listening to this show. This is from Charlotte Snowden in London, UK. Charlotte is also known on our boards as Astro Drummer Girl. Oh,
0: okay. Oh, yeah.
3: I'm sure she's listening. I hope she is. Mm -hmm. She's going to be very excited. In Disneyland Paris, there's an opportunity for people who own shares in the Euro Disney Company to get discounts off bookings, merchandise, and meals. Because of this, I'm joining the Shareholders Club as a present from my parents for my 18th birthday. I wanted to ask, is there a scheme like this for shareholders at Walt Disney World or Disneyland, and what perks would you receive? I love the fact that she used the word scheme.
0: Well, actually, that's very common in the U.K. The, the, the word scheme in the U.K. and the connotation of the word scheme in the U.S. are very different. Yeah, here, here. here, scheme has a very negative connotation. You're doing something wrong if you're scheming.
3: I just thought it was I Yeah, thought it was cute. Funny. Uh, thanks for all the great work, and I really enjoy the show. Uh, John is a shareholder. Great. And John tells me that at one time you got a discount on tickets used and to, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And that has been taken away. Oh, sure. Many years now. That's right. not been around for many so years. So, no, there is, and there's no scheming afoot of of here. Oh, I was getting excited because I'm a shareholder, too. No, this is another one of those things they took away. You used to be able to have just one share and you can get money off of your
2: resort stay and tickets, but not any longer. And
3: I think what happens is that there's so many people who are involved, are shareholders, that that then becomes financially... I don't know. I got lost there in the middle. It's just not good. Not feasible. Not feasible. That's the one. you got to
2: remember, too, that the the other Disney parks around the world are not solely owned by the Disney company. Most of them are in partnership with either governments or companies within there. So that's how they're able to do that. If you buy a share in that company, they can do that. Here, you'd buy a share in the Walt Disney World company. That encompasses everything, movies and tv and all that stuff
3: all right charlotte there's a pin on its way to you now maybe she doesn't <laughs> want the pin now oh no trust me she wants the pin. <laughs> <laughs> she want the
0: pin she's been
2: looking forward to a pin for a while
0: all right thank you kevin thank you charlotte for the email our next voicemail is from rob in toronto asking a question about one of the uh, companies that he has seen on Disboards.com. so here's rob
1: hello Pete and the podcast crew it's rob calling from toronto my
0: uh, my call today is regarding a service that i've seen mentioned on the board's called owner's locker uh,
5: My wife and I were considering it, and uh, we were just wondering what
6: uh your thoughts opinions uh suggestions regarding that service uh, might be
0: Any information you could provide would certainly be appreciated. Love the podcast keep up the good work and thank you very much well rob uh, owner's locker is actually it's it's a it's an interesting a very interesting company uh, they had approached us. When was it Corey about a year or so ago yeah um that they were they had come up with this idea that for primarily for like dvc members and people who come down uh regularly come down every year twice a year uh, to have a um, a place where they could store things that they would need every time they come down so they didn't have to always bring it with them and very unique idea it's a uh, uh, John and Brian, Brian yep. are the uh, are the two men who own it, and it's a uh, it's really a terrific little company. You'll see their uh, their vans, their trucks on Disney property. The big owners' locker trucks. They bring your bins, your storage bins, right to your uh, right to your resort when you're ready for. them. It's climate controlled, and it's also it's good for things that you might. I mean, that you want to keep here
5: in Orlando, like for example, um, like. Pool supplies and uh, like, say you buy a fifth of Jack Daniels and you don't finish it, you can store it in here. And you basketballs. um, I mean, it's not a huge locker, but you can you can fit a lot of stuff. Jack Daniels. We know what Corey's drinking.
3: Jack Daniels and (laughs) basketballs
0: and pool equipment. And that's
1: my vacation.
7: And that's what I do on my vacation.
3: Hey, it's vacation time. Oh, okay. Let, let well, loose. When oh. I heard about it, I thought laundry detergent's really expensive. I could see Yeah. It.
4: Any liquids, I think, like shampoos, um, yeah. sunscreen, things that you don't want to travel with necessarily, especially if you're coming from you know overseas. Corey's a little
2: star in liquor and basketball. <laughs> so you want to play? I a, don't even play basketball. i going to play a game of drunken horse
4: at the All Star Sports.
5: Uh, let's see how long I could stay underwater with <laughs> 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 a basketball. <laughs> Yeah, there's any number of things you can store in here. I have some prices. There's a there's a seventy five dollar initial fee. Um, this includes your your membership fee and your locker. And there's an annual fee of ninety nine dollars. This includes the um, the storage and also one delivery to your resort. Each delivery after that is twenty five dollars. Or if you come multiple multiple times a year, you can you can do the premium annual uh, plan, which is one hundred and seventy nine dollars, and that's unlimited deliveries. You can, you can do all this from online. They have a, uh, they're using some great technology. Yeah, they there.
0: have some really cool technology um, that they're using to not only track uh, where your uh, bin is, but what the inventory in your bin is. And you can actually go online onto their website, log in, and see what you've got in there. You can schedule a pickup, and they, um,
5: they've been dealing with the, the Bell services. to They drop them off there. They bring them to your room.
3: I think it's a really clever idea. It really is. How big are the bins?
5: I don't have it in front of me. It's like one of those.
3: It's they're like decent a size, yeah. Made yeah. kind like of a, like man. a decent
0: size rubbermaid, but they're uh, a little bit bigger, I think, than average. Yeah. I also saw that there's a divider inside. Oh yeah, they have like custom little divider areas where you can Customize organize it. it and, yep. to, one to hold side your for basketballs. One one side for attack. liquor. <laughs> exactly. So it's um and and just a couple of great guys that run. Like I said, John and Brian. Uh, we had lunch with them not too long ago. And uh, just really, really nice guys—the kind of guys you want to support. They're real Disney fans, big, uh, long DVC members. That's why they come up with this idea. It's a
5: really unique idea. And
0: there's nothing I love more than uh, watching watching Disney fans become entrepreneurial and come up with these great ideas, meet these niche needs that are out there. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm real, uh, I'm real, real pro. Real pro that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet in years to come we <laughs> see pro, this pro complete brain fart. I just there had a complete go. Complete brain um, fart. Unable to finish my sentence. I bet uh, in years to
3: come we see this expand to other areas where there are repeat visitor, repeat visitors.
0: Yep, absolutely. So that uh, that's the answer to that question, Rob. We hope that uh, that's what you were looking for. And you can try it risk free. So if you're kind of unsure. Oh, well, they have a, uh, yep. a recipe. Mm-hmm. Really cool. We're going to have a um, a link to ownerslocker.com dot com on the show notes page uh, this week's show. So be sure to go over and give them a check All right, our next voicemail comes to us from Allie in Chicago, who has a cruise question for her imaginary friends here at the roundtable. Here's Allie.
8: Hi, guys and Julie. This is Allie from Chicago. Allie Girl seventy nine on the boards and I wanted to call in with a couple of comments and a question. Um, first, let me say how much I love the podcast. I found it in August, and I've been listening ever since. I even downloaded all the episodes I missed from the beginning and listened to them while I was traveling for business. I'm a very, very nervous flyer, but your banter keeps me entertained and distracted, and I appreciate it very much. Um, I recently returned from a great Disney trip with my family. It was actually our 11th trip to Disney World. Together, The first was when I was 10 in 1990 and this trip was actually a surprise gift to my parents from my younger brother and I for Christmas. Uh, We tried lots of new things on this trip and it was largely because of your great advice, particularly some of Kevin's dining reviews. Um, Actually, my family called Kevin and John my imaginary friends. Kind of a a funny thing, I had been referring to their comments and suggestions for months before anyone asked me who you were, I guess I never thought to mention it, and somehow the imaginary friend label they jokingly gave you has stuck, even after they got all the details. Suffice it to say, you are the best imaginary friends a girl ever had, and your dining experiences have been strikingly similar to mine. Um, The only exception to that is Tepanito, where we had a truly fantastic meal in January, The servers were great, everything was cooked really well, and they even met our request for extra items without any trouble. Uh, My younger brother's 20 and he's always hungry, so we have to adjust for that. I was so sad to hear that you guys didn't enjoy it like we did. Uh, Anyway, I'm calling now because I've been thinking about a Disney cruise for a while, and the more I listen to you talk about the podcast cruise, the more I want to go. Given the May date, I thought it might be fun to bring my mom along as sort of a Mother's Day, mother-daughter trip, but neither of us has ever been on a cruise. So here's my question, and it's probably the silliest question you'll get all week. How much do you feel the movement of the boat? Uh, my mom can handle you know, car rides, obviously, and even rides on our small 18-foot speedboat for a couple hours at a time. But she gets motion sick on really bumpy airplane rides or roller coasters and any sort of you know, tilt world type ride that spins. So I'm hoping that once you kind of get used to the boat, you don't feel it anymore. Would that be your take on it? I guess a, a four-day cruise is a good way to test it out rather than something longer. But I'm wondering if you've ever gotten feedback from um, people you've worked with through the travel agency or family and friends if you've never faced uh, motion sickness problems yourself. So any tips or comments would be much appreciated. Thanks for all that you do. And as always, I'll be looking forward to hearing the new podcast on Tuesday.
0: Well, we all got a, a, a real kick out of listening uh, listening to that voicemail, Allie. Thank you for, uh, for calling in. As far as your, your question about motion... Issues on on the ship. Um, It really, you. Generally speaking, no. You do not feel the ship move. This is not. uh, If you've never been on a cruise ship before, this is not like going onto a boat. This is like a floating hotel, like a floating city. And keep in mind that the length of this ship, if it was, if the Disney one one of the Disney ships was stood up on its end, it would be as tall as the Empire State Building. So these are really, really, really big ships, and they have uh, stabilizers on them, almost like wings that can extend out from the ship that help keep uh, the motion at a minimum. Now, with that being said, if, there are, if there's a storm in the area, most particularly during hurricane season, if there's a, a bad storm somewhere in the Atlantic, it, does have, it can have an impact. Uh, I have been on the Disney Magic at times when the swells were you know ten feet, and everybody was you walking down the, the hallways and you're kind of going from side to side. that is really, 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 really unusual. They go well out of their way they will change their itineraries to avoid going through that unless they simply can't unless there's no option and they have to go through it so
5: the only time I ever notice is like maybe at dinner sometimes when you can see your in your water
0: glass your water kind I of swaying that's back and forth because
4: they move a little bit quicker at nighttime. Yeah.
0: So what you know our podcast cruise is in May. Uh, historically speaking, the seas are very calm during that time of the year. If you're traveling in September, October during hurricane season when it's prime, you're more likely to get it. But any time there's a storm in the Atlantic, it is going to have an impact on that. But I'll tell you the truth, uh, you see a lot of people. That wear the uh, motion sickness um, okay. patches right behind their ear or the bracelets. Um, I am. I have a very sensitive stomach to things like that. I can't even riding in a car for too long. Uh, I'll get sick. I'll get nauseous. So, and I have. I think the only time I ever really felt uncomfortable on the cruise because of motion was in October of uh, two thousand when we had the, the. It was just the the entire seven days we spent just rocking back and forth. It was disgusting. Yeah, that was tough.
3: John and I travel on a cruise ship frequently, and John takes something called Bonine. Um, he takes it in advance of getting C- or motion sickness. It works like Dramamine without the drowsy
2: effect, and it's a little chewable thing that you chew in the morning. I have trouble when you first get on the ship the first day getting my sea legs, and that's the only time I have to take it, and it works tremendous. It's different from the other stuff in that it doesn't make you drowsy. So you can still you know enjoy your yourself on the cruise, so we always recommend boning to people, but again, the ship's you know the movement is very slight There's also some
3: wonderful tricks you can use to not feel the effects of it. They say if you keep your stomach full, if you eat regularly, that food in your stomach will quell the effects of that. They say not to um keep your stomach full of liquid, that tends to affect. People who have motion sickness. Not
5: water, though. Carbonated, carbonated drinks.
3: Right. The other thing they tell you is that, you know, it depends on where you focus. You can focus, if you don't focus on the horizon line, that t- if you, by looking at the horizon line, you can make yourself motion sick. So there are things that you can do to curb it.
0: So, yeah. And uh, just to mention also, my mother is uh, 77 and she's been on the cruise a few times and has no tolerance whatsoever for water. Petrified of water, I took. You can't believe what it took to get her to go on the ship the first time. But once she did it, now she'll do it. She has no no trepidation about it whatsoever. Right. I so.
4: like cruising with your mom. <laughs>
0: mom's fun. Mom's fun. I'm actually going to go down and have dinner with her tonight. Um, so please, that's uh, please, please,
2: please join us on this cruise.
0: Yeah, we'd yeah, love and your to mom see would you. Have a great time. Because my mom's going to be there as well. So
3: and your imaginary friends are all going.
0: Your imaginary yeah. friends <laughs> will all be there, Allie. So <laughs> thank you very much for the voicemail, John. Or oh, Bob? No, let's go. go ahead, Bob. Both at the same time. Okay.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I have one from Dave from Rochester, New York, and uh, he's Mouse Skywalker on the boards, and he's looking for the team's opinion about renting a car when staying at the Swan Dolphin. And I know they don't participate in the Magical Express, so I need a way to get from the airport to the resort. Is it worth it to rent a car? I have rented a car on past trips, and I find it so convenient to be then be able to drive to other resorts to go to the restaurants. Uh, as far as the parks go, I know I'm in walking distance to Epcot and uh, Hollywood Studios, but would it be quicker to be able to drive to the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom with a rental car? Much. Yes.
0: Yes. Next email.
7: <laughs> That's my email. So I...
0: Yeah, I, I'll tell you the truth. For me, for, for me personally, I, I, I couldn't imagine not renting a car, not having that freedom, especially when you consider how long it can take you to get from a Disney hotel to one of the theme parks. It can be a good, a good long drive.
3: And just driving out to Publix or wh- I mean, you know, one of the grocery stores.
7: You open yourself up so you're, you're able to take advantage of one of the places we highly recommend is in downtown Celebration. And the the restaurants that are down there. I mean, I, I'm not sure that it, it's any advantage to uh, driving to the Magic Kingdom, because the bus would get you there quicker. I think in the in the overall theme of it, but to get to Animal Kingdom, it would be quicker, and to just do what you wanted to for getting to the other hotels, it, it would be an advantage because the buses don't travel in the system from one hotel to the other. So you have to go to a hub and then transfer.
0: Oh, yeah. Hotel to hotel on yeah. Disney. Transportation is a nightmare. So and you
7: don't have to take a bus. The other thing he wants to know, if it the, the parking cost at the Swan Dolphin, and, and they do charge for parking the car, uh, It's uh, I believe it's $9, $9 now, uh, would, would you be able to uh, pay to park at the parks? Well, you, you can... Uh, use your card to get into the different parking lots for the theme parks so you don't have to pay extra there. So, you know, it it offsets it that way. And it's so much quicker
5: to get around. And if you are interested in renting a car, we do have a a discount code for Budget Rental Car in our discounts area. You click on the link, and it already puts a little discount code in there. So,
0: just want to make sure that we we throw in that uh, we do have a financial relationship with Budget uh, Car Rental here in Orlando. So... I want to make sure I get that in there.
7: So that's
0: it, Dave. Great. Thank you very much, Bob. Who else? John.
2: I have one from Nick in Algonquin, Illinois. Nick writes, since Disney is all about having people feel like they're at a certain place, i.e. in China or at a Caribbean resort, I was wondering if views from the new DVC tower at the Contemporary will be visible from the Wilderness Lodge. Um, and he want to know a little bit more about that whole idea First of all, we, we don't officially know that it's going to be a DVC tower at the Contemporary, although we do know it. Yeah, we know been, it. There's been no official announcement, but we do know it. What, what you're referring to, Nick, is what Disney refers to as line of sight. And that applies more towards the parks than it does really towards the resorts. While you're in a resort, they want you to feel like you're part of that resort. But if you're at the Grand Floridian, you can see the contemporary and you can see the other resorts. So that doesn't bother them as much as when you're inside a theme park and you're in one of the themed lands, they want you to have the complete experience even to the point of what you see outside of the park. When you are in the Magic Kingdom, the only place you'll be able to see... The this new tower from besides outside of the park will be in Tomorrowland, so that'll fit with the theming of Tomorrowland. You'll still get the idea that you're looking at something that is, quote unquote, a contemporary feel or contemporary design, um, and that's how the whole line of sight comes to into effect in Disney. It's not really resort to resort. Well, we, I think you're going to say the same thing. I am going to.
7: Okay, the uh, Wilderness Lodge is nope, an exception. You're not. <laughs> is an exception because the Imagineers went in to all the rooms in the hotel there and made sure that y- you don't see palm trees in any of the uh, views from the Wilderness Lodge. Uh, and they but removed them. That's the theming for
2: the right. resort. Right. That's like being in the Caribbean Beach Resort, and you're supposed to feel like you're in the Caribbean. However, you can. There are areas where you can see the road outside or right. something like that. I just I,
3: recently talked about line of sight. For instance, part of what made the um, Hollywood Tower of Terror the same, the color that it is, is that it could be seen from Morocco. It actually fit into the in Morocco Epcot. skyline right. in Epcot. So they made it similar colors to the buildings in Morocco so that it didn't stand out so much.
2: Corey, did they talk about this when you did the Keys of the Kingdom tour? When we took ours, they talked a little bit about how if you stood in this part of Adventureland... What you could see and what you could see like part of the Polynesian. Yes.
5: So, yeah. They go over some of that.
3: I actually have a little tiny tidbit about this. Um, I believe most of Main Street is three-quarter scale. The only building that's not is Exposition Hall. I mm. always get that confused with yeah. City Hall. Yeah, Exposition Hall is, um, if you walk in, it's on the right. To the right. Where the code is. That's acts? actually full scale so that you can't see the contemporary.
0: Hmm. Oh. That
2: is a good piece of information.
0: Did not know that.
2: I told you, I have a whole brain full of
7: this stuff. Just shake it up and...
2: It's like a snow globe. (laughs) Oh, thanks for your email, Nick.
0: Thank you very much, John. All right, our next voicemail comes to us from Lance, who has a question for us about the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin.
7: Hey, guys. This is Lance Abbott from McKinney, Texas. I'm calling my lovely room in the uh, swan, actually, And um, I've heard you reference the Swan Dolphin, uh, obviously, many times on the podcast. And um, every time you do, you always say, um, and there's a backstory there, why it's not a Disney property, but we're not going to get into that right now. And I'm very intrigued as to why uh, a non-Disney hotel is on Disney. I've, I've never heard the explanation. So if you guys could could touch on that. I'd love to hear that. And also, if you've, if you've mentioned it in a previous podcast, I'll be happy to go back in the archives and pull that if you'd send me an email. Um, y'all have a great day, and I uh, love
1: the show. Thanks.
0: All right, Lance. Well, uh, this is... Uh, I, I'm sure I have some of the details here incorrect, but because some of this is a little bit of urban legend, but this is mostly true. Um, from the way I understand it, uh, before Michael Eisner took over Disney, uh, when the company was under the... Um, um, who, who was president? What Ron was his Miller. Name? Ron Miller, thank you. And uh, it was Walt's son-in-law, Ron Miller, was running the company. Um, they had given a contract to Tishman Hotels in New York to build the, um, the some of the hotels, I believe, hotels uh, at uh, the uh, downtown Disney uh, marketplace area where the... Um, Hotel Plaza Boulevard is now. And when Michael Eisner came in, when Michael Eisner got hired by Disney, one of the reasons he got hired was because a gentleman by the name of Sid Bass, who was on the board of directors, was also a huge developer here in Florida, uh, really put a lot of pressure on the board to hire Michael Eisner. He was instrumental in getting him hired. So as a quid pro quo, I guess, when Eisner did get the job, Tishman was not going to build the hotels. The contract went to Sid Bass. Tishman went ahead and took him to court, and he won. And part of the settlement gave him two pieces of prime real estate right on Disney property for him to build his hotels. Now, Disney had to approve the architecture and the theming. Disney also has to approve a lot of their advertising and some of that stuff. But that's about the only interaction they have. And trust me when I say there is no love lost between the Swan Dolphin and Disney. Um, disney doesn't Disney wishes they could eradicate them, and uhswandolph and people to Swan Dolphin feel like a bunch of people who are trying to be eradicated so it's uh but that 's how they got to be there um i don't know what the financial arrangement is between Disney and Swan Dolphin or how any of that works, but uh this is why there are two non disney owned hotels right there on Disney property of course if you've been there you know that the Swan and Dolphin are located uh, right on Crescent Lake, right outside of Epcot, next to the Yacht and Beach Club and the Boardwalk.
3: Yeah. I consider that
0: prime. That is estate. prime, yeah. Well, prime he has prime. been
2: there. Didn't he say he was calling from,
3: from there?
0: Yeah, that's true. He said he was calling from there. So. It's
2: actually part of the story goes that when the judge was presented with the case and was asked to settle it, he said, give me a, give me a map of Disney property. He took a map of Disney property and he said, this is the place where you're going to give them and put a circle because he saw it was right in a prime location and that sort of was the nail in Eisner's coffin for the case. Yeah. I said, yeah. Here's where I'm going to put it right here.
0: Yeah, you wonder if that would happen now. They've gotten so much bigger. They're so much more powerful now. I wonder if that would happen.
3: And now they have our fingerprints.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> Except for Peter's.
0: They don't have mine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> have you ever touched anything in Disney?
0: No, okay. I wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Invisible are they, gloves. Are
3: they Cartier gloves? Sorry. If mm. you ever want to see Pete in the parks, just no, they're No,
0: they're rubber gloves in case I have to perform an exam while I'm there. <laughs> <What
3: is that?
2: laughs> he has those white, big I, white four fingered so gloves. I don't know, I thought he had opera gloves that oh. went up to
0: his elbow. Well, those are, I, I do, but I don't wear those at the park. <laughs> Those are no. for opera night. Silly, yeah, giving away <laughs> secrets. No, that's for that's for when I'm just walking around the house by myself.
4: He's checking for uh,
7: dust. God,
0: <laughs> don't you? You have no idea how far I can take this, guys. You really don't want to get me on that path. Delete, 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 delete. So, all right, who um, you want to do another voicemail? Or sp- I'm out. Okay. Corey has an email. I, I had oh. Corey.
5: <laughs> this is from Michelle Grego in Independence, Missouri. I was curious as to the roundtable's favorite Disney movie or animated feature, and naturally your least favorite as well. You should know by now that we listen to hear your opinions. Well I could see Julie's head turning.
4: How can I pick just one?
5: <laughs> For me, I am um I'm partial to the uh to Julie's, the classics. Julie's
2: writing an essay over
5: there. Yeah. <laughs> Arrest the cats, arrest the cats, arrest the cats. February 5th, I knew
4: he was going to read this. I've been thinking about it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm partial to the classic animated features. Um, I love the computer technology, um, but I'm partial to the classics. With that said, uh, Alice in Wonderland is my favorite animated. My favorite Disney movie, Pirates. My least favorite, Pirates 2 and 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, I can agree with most of that. My favorite animated though I would have to say Lion King.
4: What about least favorite?
0: Least favorite animated?
4: Any Disney movie?
0: Least Oh there's many. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's an awful lot of favorite. garbage. <laughs> there's an awful lot of garbage amongst the um, amongst the gems. Um I would say the least favorite Disney movie I have seen and I'm going to get emails on this one was Pocahontas. I really just I simply did not connect with that movie on any level at all. Mm. I just didn't. The music, some of the music was good, but it had it had Mel Gibson in it, and I, he's been a homo. He, no, honestly, he's been a homophobe for for many, 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 many years. And on the press junket, on the press junket for uh, uh, Pocahontas, he was uh, he he made some uh, some very anti gay comments. So I it's just funny
5: that you you have a Pocahontas cell hanging up in here.
0: No, I don't. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, it's Oh,
4: God. God. You should not be allowed. Pocahontas uh, uh, was to Native movies.
0: American.
2: <laughs> oh,
5: jeez,
2: Don't get him wound up. I think <laughs> Julie has to have flashcards at home.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Teach me all about the animated. I, I can't answer
2: yeah.
3: that because my favorite is fluc- it fluctuates. One of the um, but you to say flubber? No. One of my <laughs> favorites was uh, I mean I love Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. It's just to me it's just amazing. Uh, but I like all, most of the animated movies. My least favorite would be Dumbo. I used to teach kindergarten and I don't like the the um, the message that Dumbo gives out that you have to, to be able to do something that's miraculous to be accepted.
4: Yeah, I don't and like that
3: either. I
2: don't particularly care for that message.
0: Interesting point.
2: So. My favorite is Lilo and Stitch. I felt that that was the groundbreaking moment for Disney animation and I don't know why they didn't follow that trend. It was the hand drawn animation with the watercolor backgrounds and then for some reason they didn't follow that and they just went to more and more animation, more and more computer animation. I think my least favorite movie is The Haunted Mansion.
4: Oh well there's Eddie Murphy. There's a
3: whole do you remember that one about that, that animated one, Atlantis?
4: Oh, it didn't do anything. Yeah. I'm sorry if they don't oh. have
2: songs, it, forget it. Yeah. And then what was that one uh, Treasure Planet? Yeah, that, that, was,
4: oh, that was, I was bad.
7: Didn't see those. I didn't that was bad. And there was another animated one last year. I, I can't remember it. Didn't it have to do with a cow or something.
3: Oh, uh, uh, Home Katie, on the Range. Katie Home L- on the Range. Katie Lang sang talk the theme about, song. <laughs> talk about it. That
7: was the only good part. Talk about a bomb. That well, Bob, one. Was what's your favorite? Toy Story. Least. The, the,
4: oh, the movie you just said.
3: Yeah. Did you read that they're going to release um, Toy Story 3D? Yeah,
7: and they're yeah. going back and they're redoing Toy Story one and two to be in the same technology as. Yeah. Well, Toy what's Story happened?
0: What you what you're seeing happen now with the uh, with the prevalence of of home entertainment systems with home theaters, the experience is becoming now to a point where there's not a real big difference between going to the movie and watching it in your living room. So they're having to do things in the movie theaters in order to make it a real, a more unique experience, hence the uh, revival of 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw a couple of uh, movies come out last year utilizing uh, 3D technology, and what you're going to start seeing this year, I think you've got about two or three major releases coming up, not just from Disney, this is from yeah. everybody, uh, doing this really high-end digital 3D Uh, Theaters all across the country are retrofitting their projectors to be able to handle these things. This is the new wave. Uh, Roy Disney has been uh, pushing it from within the Disney side of things for a while now. And that's why you're seeing Toy Story and Toy Story 2 be re-released.
3: I want to make a prediction. I've been sort of hanging on to this. With... Toy Story Mania coming to Hollywood Studios and the re-release of all the Toy Story movies and Toy Story coming to the Disney Cruise Line. I have a feeling that we're going to see the first character meal aimed at boys come out with Toy Story. Yep.
7: Mm. I agree. And it's going to it'll be over at Hollywood Studios.
3: It's just an I, I haven't heard anything. I don't have fact about this. But it seems to be a product that they've rediscovered.
2: It's a logical step.
3: Yeah. I,
7: I've said it for a while that it, it's something that for the boys that go to Disney, you don't have really a a themed uh Restaurant.
3: I'm going to take one more thing. Well,
4: that I don't er- to say my okay. favorite movies yet.
2: Okay.
3: Well, that's what we're leading up to, though. <laughs> that whole area where Toy Story Mania is closed off at the moment. We were in M- or Hollywood Studios the other day, and that whole area, you can't even get
2: down the street yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's been that way yeah. for a while.
4: Yeah. Right. So- okay. Um, I would have to say, you all know I love Enchanted right now, but my all time <laughs> favorite would be Robin Hood. My brother and I must have watched it 10,000 times between the ages of five and 10. <laughs> um, least favorite. I wish they would stop taking classics like Cinderella and making part two. <laughs> I cannot stand yeah. all these part twos. Direct to Why D-D-D. not leave <laughs> your great animated classics alone?
0: Because Disney will take any good idea and beat it into the ground. It's just they will much. beat it until it's dead.
3: Well, John's always made the joke. Eventually, we're going to see Cinderella, the unwed mother. Yeah, right? Yeah. I just remembered another peach dragon.
7: That was another favorite of mine.
0: All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I have one here from Tanya Sayers, who writes, Thanks for all your hard work on the podcast. I love Tuesdays and Wednesdays when I get to hear the podcast. And I'm lost when I can't get my disfix. While at the pod meet last month, I was talking to Diana, a.k.a. Diana and Brian, Bob's wife and son, about how Will had never been to any of the theme parks before coming to work for us. It is just unfathomable to me that someone living so close to the parks hasn't taken advantage of his proximity. Since I grew up going to Walt Disney World and as a former cast member, I don't have the perspective of a first time that a first-time park visitor might have. I think it would be fun and insightful to have Will go to the various parks and then have him come back and give us a report about his impressions, his likes, and his dislikes. Besides, it is high time that Will spoke up and actually joined in the fun. He gets mentioned frequently during the show's And we need to hear a voice to go along with that name. And I am sure this would make his future mother-in-law, Ursula Shadow, very happy. Can't wait until the pod cruise. Thanks, Tony Sayers. And I'm really not picking out people who are on the pod cruise. I'm just (laughs) podcast cruise. I swear to God. It's like the third time we've mentioned it. It's going to sound like I'm hawking. I'm really and truly not. These are just the ones that were picked. Um. But, uh, Tanya, uh, actually, this was a great idea. Um, I read this uh, earlier in the week, and I've already told Will that he's going to have to start doing a regular segment probably once a month. Um, It's a little tough for him right now because he's back in school. His schedule's a little hectic, so he's not always here with us recording uh, when we're doing the show. But we will, at the very least, make sure once a month that Will is here. And that uh, he can start bringing some of his perspectives, that first timer perspective, uh, into the discussion. I think that's a great idea. So, because you gave me an idea that we're going to use as a segment, go ahead and pick a number, one through thirty. You'll get a shot at one of the envelopes. Who knows what you could win?
3: Will He's, is like our Carlton, the doorman. <laughs> 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 it's like Karen's husband on Will and Grace.
5: You know, it's funny oh. that the first theme park he went to was uh, was Epcot. I was I was walking with him, and he was looking around. He's like. I thought Disney would be full of characters everywhere. You know, he was just looking around Epcot for all the characters. He was thinking of the Magic Kingdom. But
2: Now, for all of you at home who have a, a job where you know, your boss comes in and gives you some horrible assignment, think about Will now. He has to go to the parks. Poor Will. And he has to I have to go him. to the park and talk about it. I know.
0: I will, I will say this for as much as we joke around about, oh, what tough jobs we have, you've got to go to the theme parks. Let me tell you, these guys work their butts off. They work their butts off, and I'm not exactly the easiest guy on the planet to work for. I can be a little on the demanding side. I'm also, you know like I, I think I, I, I use the expression once before, I'm one bad day away from being the Britney Spears of uh the disney fan community oh, so um, wearing underwear. just wear underwear
2: yeah
0: oh my god delete delete
3: delete so how
2: many times do you stop to pee yeah
4: i haven't seen a pink wig yet so still <laughs>
0: that's in with the opera no, wait a second you guys have all been around me for years you know exactly what i'm talking about that's
2: a great visual um, <laughs> that's
0: excellent i am i am one bad day away so uh you know it can be uh it can be interesting working for me and uh, while they do get to do some really really cool stuff they also have to uh pretty much turn their souls over to me when they get their paychecks. So it's uh, it's a hard working group. It's a hard working group for as much as we joke around about that I don't want anybody getting the impression that these people do not work their butts off. All right, and our last voicemail this week comes to us from Joe in Marietta, Georgia, who has a suggestion for us on how to keep track of our international listeners. Here's Joe.
6: Hey, guys. This is Joe Van Cura calling from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, my mother, Kathy, called in with a really nice voice, and uh, y'all read my email back in November. So I uh, just wanted to call, say thanks again for all that, and had a great time meeting you guys uh, at the pod meet. And um, y'all doing a great job, as always. Listen, I'm sitting here driving home listening to the uh, January 22nd email, uh, segment and uh, I actually had to stop it in the middle. You were just about to read a uh, an email from someone in uh, South Africa, and it reminded me of, uh, Kevin, your comment about a gentleman, I think, in Ireland who was listening to you all in the middle of the night, and um, that I had listened to you all in Africa, and someone else was overseas. I think you all need to get a uh, a world map, and uh, just a real simple map from AAA or something, and put it up on the wall. And uh, every time you uh, play a voicemail or read an email from someone outside the U.S. or, or Canada, um, why don't you put a little, a little sticky or a thumbtack or something in the uh, in the map and uh, see what happens after a year? See kind of where y'all are connecting. Actually, see that visually. I think that'd be really cool. Um, that was it. Again, as always, y'all keep it up. Great job, and uh, talk to you later. Bye
0: bye. I actually like that idea. Mm-hmm, I really, okay. really like that idea. And at first, I was I was going to say that you know, just we're in a kind of small space right now, and there's not I don't have a lot of really open wall space to put that, but. Uh, next weekend, we're actually gonna. I'm actually knocking a wall out between the room we're sitting in and the bedroom next to it. We're making that all one big studio, so hopefully then I'll have some wall space and put up a an internet an international map. And then we're gonna have the challenge of you know one of us trying to figure out where like uh, Israel is. Well,
7: that's on a that's map. the vision I got when I first heard this. Is uh,
0: we'll have trouble finding America. So,
7: well, the U. Euro- <laughs> No, the UPS commercial where they they say go stick a pin oh, yeah. in China, <laughs> yeah. and the guy ends up ripping the make map. They can believe down. he falls, <laughs> yeah, and he falls, <laughs> and he right. runs away. That that was the first thing I thought of. And I said, I know he's going to make me. stop. No, i fairly.
3: I'm, in. I
4: like I'm, geography. I'm, I'm fairly
0: good with too. geography. I'm,
3: I, and we just had an, a voicemail from a woman in the
0: Netherlands. Yes, from in the Netherlands.
4: She's actually written in before, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: And we've had yeah, you know, we've got. I know we've got listeners in Israel. I know we have listeners in in the Netherlands, the UK, Scotland, Ireland, Australia. South Africa. America, Australia,
3: and New Zealand, first, Japan, China. He references hey. that first thing where I was just—I oh. um, I was amazed at the man who wrote, and I believe it was Scotland. And he listened to us while he delivered things in the middle of the night, and that, that just to me was like an image. When he talked about it, I thought that that was just amazing.
0: Oh, we also had a great email this week that we didn't get a chance to get to. I'm, I'm going to include it in next week's uh, from a gentleman in Mexico City.
4: Oh, I actually brought that one. Because <laughs> I was like, cause I've been to Arabian Nights.
0: Well, so. we will. Okay. We will tease you. We will tease you with that email for next week, because that is going to do it for our email show for this week. We hope that you enjoyed it, and we will be back with you again next Tuesday with our next edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. You have a great week, folks.